Hey there, skips and skipperettes, and thanks for joining us from all across the vast electronic wasteland known only as Internet Land. Today is a fine episode of Skippertainment as we sit down for the second half of our interview with Skipper Laura. Laura was a cast member from 93 to 97 and is very well remembered by all the cast members of the time. On top of that, she's a very fun interview and I really had a fantastic time chatting with her. You know, we probably could have done an extra two hours of recording. She has so many fantastic stories and viewpoints about the park. As always, if you're new to the show, welcome, and uh, join us over at Facebook at facebook.com slash junglecruise, that's C-R-E-W-S, or over on Twitter, our handle there is at skipcast. Uh, we don't need a lot of uh, lead-in for this episode. Part one was amazing. Part two is even better. Here's Skipper Laura talking about her time at Disneyland on Tales from the Jungle Cruise. I love the, the tr- one of the training uh, things that happened with the guns was the whole uh, here's the reason here's here's the reason why you don't point them at anyone or anything. One of the trainers brought a hot dog on a stick, like on a corn dog stick, and okay. uh, placed the barrel of the gun up against it or close to it, and then pulled the trigger. And we watched that hot dog just like disintegrate into a fine mist. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you, no one ever fucked around after seeing that demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that gun it was a 38 i think yep and it and that gun actually at at the time the first time i've ever admitted this publicly or actually out loud um it was too heavy for me yeah i i i, I remember picking that thing up and trying to be cool and do it one-handed yep well i and think i but, and I think, I'd have to put it down. I'd have to put the mic down yeah, for, I, for the first until I got used to it. Yeah, I think that the the frames that they're using now are slightly smaller than the ones that were in the 90s and, and prior. I think it's a smaller 30, 38 frame for the actual gun. Um, oh, okay. And I don't know if that's the reason why. But um, So, yeah, so let's, I mean, let's just get into that. When you were having that experience of training, what was the... Uh, was it a purely positive experience from the the way that other people reacted and that they worked with you, or did you have people who were naysayers? Did you have people who, you know, you, you can't do this. You're a girl. Why are you on jungle? Ra ra ra. There were there were people weren't. It wasn't as vocal of an opposition. You could tell by the look. You know, you get the ones over, you get the look. And some of that, actually, I would argue, goes back to the merge to begin with between the two sides of the park. Because there were Adventure Frontier folks that didn't want to merge with New Orleans Critter Country folks. So the fact that not only had we merged and taken over, and now we're taking over your ride, and we happen to have boobs, I mean, it was just insult to injury. So the, the training experience for me was, by, by, by the way, I, I want T-shirts made that say "boobs, insult to injury." I just, <laughs> I just 
I just want that T-shirt to be made. Cause... Is that is that going to be is that is that the title of my podcast? Can I get can I get yes. that as the title we will... or, or a, a, a secondary title? No, I think that will be will. perfect. I think that will fit in beautifully. Okay. That would, be, um, that would be fantastic. Because, but yeah, no, it was it was outwardly it was you know. No, because I, I know you you were doing you. you were doing the breast you could do. <laughs> you were <laughs> you were work, you were doing your best to create amazing memories for the guests. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have any more? If, if you have more, I'm I'm actually writing them down as your as your. I might use them later. Yeah. But no, it was it was it was outwardly it was it, I think it was the whole idea. You know, are you actually going to be funny? And and I remember the day, there were there were a few a few guys that and don't and don't worry because right and don't worry because at this point Jungle Cruise is not about being funny. Uh. I, I've noticed that, which makes me sad because it was there would be a boat. I mean, you get hours upon hours of boats where no one would laugh at you, but you get that one boat that was just on, and 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 they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to get off your boat at unload. And oh. you had, you know, and, and, and it would, it would make, make every time anybody maxed on you for the rest of the day, totally, not that I ever maxed on anybody, because I would never do that, but it, it, it would make it worthwhile. But the one time I remember John Adair, uh, I think he met his wife, John Adair, he was working load one, and I popped off a joke that I had heard, heard in Orlando, I think I told you this story, and it was an non-SOP joke. And it was the first time he had ever heard it. And he almost fell off the dock, the, the mm-hmm. dock laughing so hard. And that's when I knew, like, see, I can do this. Yep. I can be funny. Because people would skip your boat. People would see it coming up in the queue. I, mean, I, would, I, don't, I don't want a girl. Mm-hmm. I don't want a girl. I don't want a girl boat. And the, the running joke was, well, if I get lost at least, I'll stop and ask for directions. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it, it was, that, it was that challenge. Well, and that, that, that was there, the reason why I wanted to get trained on the ride in the first place. There were um, there were some skippers. I, I think that there were some women who I worked with who were every bit as funny as the men. I mean, by far. And then there were some who just, you know, it's like anything. You had your people who got it and who didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were also a lot of guys who thought they were damn funny who I would go out of my way not to ride their boat. Oh, yeah. You know, because there are guys it- who, who think they're freaking comedians and who – you know, go at it with a wild abandon, and they they're not enjoyable. Mm-mm. No, it's it's, but, it's 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 a tough, but it's tough. It's tough yeah. to make a whole boat laugh. It is it is not an easy task, and I didn't realize how difficult it was, mm-hmm. and how difficult it is to maintain that for eight hours in the middle of the summer for three months in a row. On days you know, where, on days where you were only working eight hours, I remember overtime where yeah. I. I had a day where I opened and closed jungle. Oh God, <laughs> I'm twitching. That sounds horrible. But it was, and it was that. It was that. That was part of this. It was part of this. You know, here's Sue. Here's Joy. Here's Kim. We're getting trained. Um, Zandra, Angel, Zilky, um, Tara, who also got trained. You know, that generation. Uh, she, all of us, we got trained, and then we realized, wait a minute, this is not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. As a matter of fact, oh, it was challenging. This this kind of sucks. What were we thinking? So it was it was, um, but you didn't want to admit it. You yep. didn't want to admit it. No, I'm having a great time. I'm having fun. My boats laugh all the time. I don't know what your deal is. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, trying. Once we had opened that can of worms, 
you know, we we kind of we had made that bed. Now we got to lay in it, and gosh darn it, we're having fun. Yeah. But it was it, it was a different time. Now I I wonder, you know, if it really was messing up the integrity. You know, if it was if it was messing that up. But I it, it was it was it was interesting to be a part of nonetheless. It was fun. Yeah. Well, do you have any do you have any singular memories that when people because one of the things we know is that when you say to people, I worked at Disneyland, oh, that's great, and you get the, oh, I was a Jungle Cruise skipper, it's a totally different animal. Um, oh, it is. I mean, that that's the thing that brings instant respect. Um, do you have any any particular moments that when someone says to you, oh, you worked at Jungle Cruise, that these are the, this is the, the stock story you bring out immediately? There was a particular... It was the time of narrations, and I didn't really thought about this. It's a really good question. It was it was when when the concept of narrations came to be, right? And you 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 didn't have to be a part of that mm-hmm. to to work jungle. They, they I think they wanted you to be, but when they had open shifts, you got you got stuck on jungle no matter what if you were a part of that machine or not. And um, I wasn't in narrations. I had declined that, and there was a, a celebrity who was famous at the time, and um, the supervisor that was that was on waited for my boat to come around because he knew that I would make this celebrity who was a comedian laugh, mm-hmm. and and he and he laughed, yeah, and and it was it was it was uh, to make. To make somebody who makes other people for a, quite a lot of money laugh laugh mm-hmm. was was pretty was pretty epically awesome. It was pretty fun. And that person. Of, and that person was. It was somebody who um, is is uh, was famous at the. I don't know. He's made a lot of movies. Okay, it's one of those people he, who. It's he's he's yeah. To to talk about him in living color would be. Would be it would be I don't uh, know how I would. Was it a way? Was was it a weigh-ins of some sort? No, it wasn't a weigh-ins. It was you were, the more the more Caucasian version. Okay, because you of, you, of you used the term in living color, and that would you know. Yes, I, I did. Yes, it was the more Caucasian version of, of a weigh-in on in living okay. color. Okay, but, I, I don't yeah. remember the show at all. So. Are we allowed to name drop people? I don't know. Are we allowed to say like? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, well, I don't know. Who knows if Jim Carrey listens to this? I don't. Hey. I don't. I don't know. But it made Jim Carrey laugh. I actually had a lot of celebrities on my boat. I remember a lot of them. I, I they were. I had. I had quite a few. Never had any of the big dicks. Never had Michael Jackson. My roommate took Michael Jackson on mm-hmm. Mansion once. I think I was on Thunder when he came in one time. But I had. I had quite a few. Yeah, my I had... favorite celebrity was Deidre Hall. Mm-hmm. He was on. Uh, Days of Our Lives or something, yep. and she had these two kids with her that were just holy terrors, mm-hmm. and they were biting everybody that came past, and they were fighting with each other. We thought they were going to throw each other in the river. Mm-hmm. And they, they were horrible children, and I, I just remember her standing there so exasperated and thinking, oh, look, these celebrities. I tell my Michael Jackson story um, on the podcast in one of the other 50 episodes. I'm not going to tell you which one. Just listen to them all. Uh, I will listen to more. But I, I did have Michael. I had Michael Jackson in the Tiki Room, and that was that was surreal. I had a I had a summer I had a summer where I, I opened Tiki like three months in a row. It was 
strange, strange times. And see, back in my day, Tiki was where you went if you were pregnant. Huh. You got Tiki or you got Bear Show. That's I'm, how you got those. That's I, how you got those two attractions. See, I'm glad mm-hmm. that I, I'm glad that I lost the weight because now I know why they put me over there. <laughs> oh, that's, I wanted you to guard the dole with. That's, that's Skipper Kyle. He's pregnant. She's pregnant. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was an incredible time. Looking back on it, I it it was it was fun. It was what other opportunity do you have in life to tell jokes like that? Mm-hmm. It 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 was fun. It was just fun. I, I think about what's hard now, and what I considered hard back then, and I just I laugh at that former self at times. Well, and you know you well, and you're a mom, so that kind of is a major like things that are hard you know, kind of rel- rel- relative slider there. Um, <laughs> you know, the, um, you know, we, we, we've talked about this over and over for, you know, almost over two years now. It, it is not only the, the thing everyone should do for a summer, because even with the park, the way it is now, it's still um, an experience of a lifetime. You don't get that anywhere else. The multiculturalism, the, you know, the sense of adventure, you know, learning things. I mean, it's just, it's a hugely educational, you know, moment. But I, I think that there was a time where it was more, where, you know, the, the Tinkerbell's, you know, fairy dust sparkled a little brighter. I think that, you know, there was a time when it had a deeper meaning. I think we also have become so um, deluged with branding. Mm-hmm. Because if if you and I were having a discussion in 1993, and I was talking about the Disney brand, you would think there was a cattle drive, or absolutely, absolutely, yeah, it, it was not about mm-hmm. what it is today, where it's about building these, you know, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean franchises and all of these things. We we still saw Disney based upon how when we were growing up in the in the 70s and 80s. And we're watching reruns of the Disneyland TV show mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. We still I, – I didn't know when I was growing up that Walt was dead, you know, because he was on TV. And I grew up thinking that Walt Disney was this guy who had a park. And I, Absolutely. Did, I didn't know until much later when I understood, you know, that difference. <laughs> but that that branding didn't exist. There wasn't this push to – to have everything click and which is why the Lone Ranger failed because they were trying to make another franchise. Absolutely. And they were trying. I think on top of that, I think when you look at the park, just like you touched on it, it was just a park. Yep. And then, you know, and then suddenly we've bought the ducks. Yep. Okay, cool. We've bought the ducks. And now we're merging with Cap City, ABC. Yep. And we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And at the same time, employee tenure isn't what it used to be. They say, I mean, the well, turnover now is so ridiculous. Well, they they want turnover because it lowers the labor cost. They don't want people. They don't want people who've been there long enough to make twenty bucks an hour as an RO. And there are some people who do that, but it's very very few. And they want to bring in the kids that that'll work for you know eight and a half nine bucks an hour for the summer. Um, and that it isn't, you know, they don't, they don't have to pay benefits and, uh, you know, all of the, the, uh, regulations that are coming down now with the affordable care act, I, you know, I've got to think that Disney is looking at that and, you know, there was, um, 
there was a fraudulent picture that was posted that was supposedly from the scheduling department that said, you know, no one can work over 30 hours unless you're a full-time employee because of health benefits. And it turned out that was, you know, that was a hoax, uh, from what I understand, perpetrated by Jungle Cruise skippers in Adventureland. Go figure that out. Nothing, nothing, nothing monkeys. Yes. But having said that, I have to look at it and wonder, you know, how much does that go into the calculations that Disney has to make for, um, you know, for um, you know, figuring out costs and, and you know, the uh, employee pay and all of those things and what the ticket prices are. But I think there's a different cost to operating the plant that way. I think there's a cost in what we talked about in, in, in a slip of paper deciding where you go on break and the mechanization of rotations and, and time and not allowing for that personal interaction that yeah. we all had that, that, you know, 20 years later, I still have, you know, 150 best friends that I can jump back in with in the middle of a restaurant in Anaheim and it's like we never left each other. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that and the respect, the respect that we had for those who were there for this, like who were there in the 80s, mm-hmm. who were there in the early 90s, that respect is gone. That sense of tradition is gone. Laura, I, the, I think part of it, though, is that they can't fire idiots for being idiots anymore. So they have to make no. this they have to make the system so easy and so regulated that it can be run by monkeys. And there are some great cast members. I have defended this, you know, the people who work at Disneyland are amazing. And even the biggest Disney yeah. even the biggest Disney haters, I will sit and defend the cast members. But at the same time, there are people that I worked with who would not be able to hold down a job at a McDonald's. And they had to design a system for them. You know, you look at the real end for me, or the the beginning of the end, was when they started letting costumes out of the park. Yeah, that blew my mind. That that blew my mind. The first time I saw, I, we had driven past, I was there with Jason Moreau, who was a dear, dear friend of mine. I had come back for a reunion, and it was just me. My, my husband stayed home with our, our newborn twins at the time, and he drove me down Catella. Yep. I picked him up, and he drove me down Catella, and my jaw was on the floor the entire time, just looking at everything that had changed, mm-hmm. you know. And and all of a sudden, we're we're at a stoplight. I I want to say we were even harboring Catella, and a cast member in costume goes sprinting across the street. Yep. And I said, "What? What just happened there?" And yeah. Jason said, that, "Well, they missed the tram." And I said, Wait, "Okay, we got to back up for a second. Why are why are they outside of the berm in in a in a in a merch costume?" Yep, I don't understand. And yeah, it, it's because yeah. that's that's a decision that's made with the interest of the resort in in mind, but it is ultimately crapping on tradition. And, Absolutely. You know, and you take a look at all the lip service that can be given about preserving the magic get these damn cast members, you know, out of the costumes at the 7-Eleven or, you know, yes, can I understand Denny's at 2 in the morning? That's a different animal. But when everyone's wearing their costume to Ralph's and the kids 
see who are going to Disneyland that next day mm -hmm. or who went the day before see a cast member, you know, scratching their butt at a Ralph's, getting groceries yeah. You know, yeah. with, with a bottle of boxed wine, a carton of cigarettes, and a sadness that, you know, permeates the entire store. Um, you, didn't just, you didn't just bag on boxed wine, did you? Because that, that's a food group. Okay, well, yeah. Boxed wine. Don't mess with the boxed wine. There, there, are, good, there are good boxed wines. But I, you know, Shurston, Shurston will back me up on that. I know she's listening. But, Hi, but you know, it, it doesn't... It doesn't create magic to to have that it is no it's a bottom line thing for disney and if it you know it's it's that they have thirty thousand employees rather than 10 and they have a lot more you know things that they have to do to make that operate efficiently but it doesn't preserve the magic for the guests mm -hmm. and you know when you go through traditions and you hear that and then they tell you yeah but we're going to check you at a costume that you know uh, it's just it's frustrating to me. That's one of those things that's always gotten under my skin. I, I agree, and it's 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 very true. And I think at the same time, while it ruins the the magic for the guests, I think it ruins the magic. You know, you're lowering you're lowering down to that lowest common denominator, and I think mm -hmm. it it ruins it ruins it for the cast members as well. I think ultimately, I don't know what Walt would say now. Yeah, and you know, and that's one of those discussions where I. I don't conjecture. I actually had a um, an episode in the last season. I think it was episode 16. I don't pay attention. I don't actually know these things. But um, one of the things I got to do last year was I got to take my fiance up to San Francisco, and we went to the Walt Disney Family Museum. And it was uh, fantastic. Listen to the damn episode, people. It's a good. It's a good episode. There's no guest. It's me talking for 30 minutes. You know your dreams have come true. Um, but one of the things that came out of that, that I realized is every person who utters the words, this is what Walt would have wanted, who is not his daughter. Uh, they're full of, they're full of shit. And yeah. all, all these people who get out there and they're like, well, Walt wouldn't have wanted alcohol in the, in, you know, Disney world. Look, you know, you guys are trolls. That's really <laughs> the people who are out there who are predicting, you know, what Walt would have said and done 40 years after his death. They're trolls. There's no, there's no positive way to say it. They're putting their own personal opinion into this conversation. You know, Walt was a businessman. If the norms of society had changed that it's okay to serve booze in the park, he would have jumped on it. You know, but I don't, and I don't even know that, but I mean, you know, it doesn't matter the whole what, what, whatever. But realistically, if there's a company, as a company side of things, you're talking about valuing the magic for a guest, that doesn't do it. No, it doesn't. No, at all. And it, it and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be something as extreme as alcohol in the park or, you know, somebody late for their mansion shift carrying down ball road it's, it's it's not even that it's it's little things it's you know you can have a mustache now yeah. holy what no what it, <laughs> i no oh no i mean there's things that we got eyeliner that was a big deal yep. you know i still to this day i'm bucking 40 and i don't have any earrings that are bigger than a dime mm -hmm. i don't wear i don't wear necklaces yep i i i, I wear a watch still because 
I would never have checked. We didn't have cell phones like this back then, but I would never have checked my cell phone on stage to see what time it was. Yep. It was it, it was different. It was well, a different time. And, and at this point, you know, you're not allowed to use your cell phone on stage, but your cell phone is considered a timepiece, and you actually can look at it for time purposes. That's allowed under under the current uh, regulations. I saw people on all, all sorts of cast members on their cell phones when I was there, and it made me sad. It also made me sad to see the keelboat dock was a smoking dock. Yeah. That made me sad, too. It was, it, it's just, it, it's different now. And I'm not saying it's bad. I, I don't, again, I don't want to be negative. It's it's just different. And I wonder, looking back, if the different started in the mid-90s when things really changed. Well, I think that, I think that it's it's always changing. I think what you'll see, I think when you look back at the history of it, that the Eisner era created a run-up to a peak of awesomeness that inevitably, because of the nature of it and the nature of society, created a downward slide that I think has gone farther than anyone could have anticipated. Very well said. And at times, they've recovered from it, and they've done things that are amazing. And at other times, they do things that are John Carter, um, that are terrible. Um, <laughs> He's so nice to look at, though. Gosh, you know what? I, I didn't hate that movie as much as most people did. I thought it was it was not a bad movie, but it was certainly much better than Lone Ranger, which was the most offensive piece of tripe that I've ever seen come out of a Disney studio. Um that movie offended me on every level. There was nothing redeeming about that at all. And see, and and in my world now, if it doesn't come from Pixar or have something animated in it, which are surprisingly scary now as a parent, I had no idea how scary some of those movies actually are. Oh, um, but oh. I. <laughs> let's talk, but yeah, let's, no, let's it, talk it, a it, Disney it, movie that wasn't scary. Let's you pick oh an animated. God, that's so scary. Bluebeard's Ghost, even on the live-action side. Okay, uh, uh, you know, 40,000 Leagues was scary. Dude, Aladdin was scary. Oh, Aladdin. I, I, uh, scary. They were scary. I made my kids sit through Fantasmic. We were um, lucky enough to get VIP seats when we went. And I guess I was working guest control uh, and had my back to the wall and didn't realize how actually scary Fantasmic is. Oh, yeah. My kids well, were terrified. I don't you, know. Maybe I was too busy listening to Sam Floyd and Buzz Nutman explain to the crowd which way they were going to walk out the door. But did, did, you, uh, did you see World of Color when you were there with your kids? I did. I did. I, I, I love World of Color. Uh, there is still, two years later, the most inappropriate moment uh, where the lights go dark and you hear Simba calling out for his father. And I look at that and I go, why? Why is this in the show? That was this weird. is so inappropriate. That was, it was weird. It was, it was, we had VIP seats for that too. And I just remember it being unbearably hot. And it was, it came down to, we went to the last show of World of Color and it was either that or, or go to Soren over California and, and we picked World of Color, and we should have gotten the Soren. But that's okay. Next yeah. time when we go back. But as a as a cast member now, I, I again things have changed. May or may not be for the better. But I'll tell you what. I went on that Radiator Springs Racers ride, and I remember telling Al Nassar and Ron Boss 
I remember telling them when I got off of that ride, I was like a proud parent. Like that is a ride that was so amazing to me and so beautiful. It's one of those things where, you know, as a former cast member, I can say, well, those are my people. My people did that. And my people did an amazing job on that ride. No, Radiator Springs Racers is a fantastic accomplishment. And I actually think that there's a lot of California adventure. You know, unfortunately anymore, you know, if you say Twilight Zone, people will think Tower of Terror before they think before they think Rod Serling. There are, there are great things. Monst- the Monsters Incorporated ride is great. I'm lo- really looking forward to the Muppet revamp that has been announced um, for Muppets 3D because that that ride's been around for a while. That needs to be updated anyway. Because that was in or- that, that was that was in Orlando for years before they brought it into to California Adventure. I remember Jason Everett and I went out there one year. It was one of the first years I was out there, and I just remember sitting there, again, geeking out. It takes a lot to geek me out on yeah. things. But things like Muppet 3D, things like that that test track technology, well, you know, Radiator Springs, it's, it's amazing. It's you know, amazing stuff. Muppets, I will say that the Disney company has been able to do with the Muppets what they've not been able to do with their company, which is they've preserved the magic of, of the Muppets. Um, the new movie, the new movie that came out, I thought was amazing. I'm not even a giant Jason Siegel fan. I thought Amy Adams looked old, but I loved. <laughs> she did. If you look at her from like Enchanted up to that movie, she looks. And then she was in Man of Steel, and she looks young again. So I think it was just bad makeup. Um, but no, they preserved the magic of the Muppets, and the Muppets have been making a comeback. Unfortunately, with Disney, it's the opposite, where the only thing that they're promoting is Pixar. Um, and, right. you know, you look at the new uh, video game system, the, the Disney Infinity game, and you look at all the characters, there's no classic Disney there at all. It's all yeah. Pixar. Right. Um, Which is, again, a change. Now, is that a change for the better? Or is that, you know... Well, and I, I, I think it's okay, because I think people... When they get through the right ages, the parents will introduce them to the movies or they will discover them on their own at some point. And that's a magical journey that everyone gets to take. The first time that they get to run across something like, you know, a Rescuers or, you know, Robin Hood or Alice in Wonderland, then their lives will be, you know, made even more magical the same way it was when we discovered it when we were young. Um, Do you have, I mean, just do you have a random Disney movie that you're, desperately waiting to show to your kids or something that is, you know, how, how old are your kids, Laura? I don't even know. I have an eight year old named Ben. And then I have four year old twins, um, Jack and Maggie. And we actually call Maggie. I call Maggie Magdalena. Cause that was my favorite boat. Yay. Jungle cruise always comes back around, but yeah, yeah no, we call her Magdalena, but um, yeah, no, Jack and Maggie, are our twins. So they're eight and four respectively. And I have tried in vain to show them Mary Poppins because that is my favorite Disney movie in the universe. Karen Knight, Karen Santee and I, that's our, that's our favorite, favorite, favorite Disney movie. And my kids can't sit through it yet. But once they yeah. get it, I know they'll be, they'll eight, be feeding the birds. I yeah. know they will. Eight you might, four maybe not. But, um, you know, we were talking the other day about uh, which is the joy of Facebook is random discussions happen so well. Um, mm-hmm. a cur- current, current cast member, Kate, who I love to death, uh, brought up the subject of, you know, is there a definitive, you know, 
best Disney song for people or, you know, is there a, you know, whatever. And we argued about it for a while, but I had forgotten how incredible the music was in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That was the first drive in movie I ever saw was Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I love that movie. That was an amazing movie. Yeah, no, there's, there's some, there's some good ones back there that are, that are much different than the things that Disney puts out now. But again, they're not bad. Oh, no, 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 not bad at all. Um, yeah, the part's not bad. It's just different. Yeah. The, uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, a couple interesting things. That, I mean, it's Sherman Brothers, which is how can you go wrong? But no, you you've got be- beautiful Briny Sea, Portobello mm-hmm. Road. You've got um, The Age of Unbelieving, mm-hmm. which I think is still to this day one of my three favorite Disney songs. Um, <laughs> and Angela Lansbury, if you want a real trip, go Google what Angela Lansbury looked like when she was 20. Oh, she was hot. Oh, yeah, smoking she was hot. hot. Oh. Oh yeah. Well, she had she had a set of legs on her up until the day she died. She was yeah. amazing. Oh, she was amazing. Yeah. No, but and and that's the thing, you know, part of that going back to the tradition that so many of us, and I think you're an old soul, so I'm going to throw you back in my generation, the generation of of the '90s and and before. Mm-hmm. That tradition was so important. I wonder now, you know, most of my Disney generation friends they they know you could walk up to one of them and you could talk to them about let's just use the sherman brothers as an example Mm -hmm. you could talk to them about the sherman brothers you could talk to them and and they would know who they were if you walked up to a cast member now yeah you know an 18 19 year old kid now i wonder if they would no, I wonder if they well, know there's a window on Main Street for them. I, I I remember the you know I remember that that part of the Disney history. I I, I don't think that's yeah. taught now. Well, I don't, I, 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 I think there's I a level, but I think the problem is that when you when you have a park employee population that's three times or four times what it was when we were there, you know, it's gonna you're gonna have a distribution of people who care and don't care. Um, Interesting note. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if you remember this because you would have been there. I was not a cast member. I was a guest at this point. But I, I came down in '94, '95, and we were. It was a slow day. It was raining. It was a January or February, and we're walking by the Golden Horseshoe, and this this uh, plaid with a clipboard says, "Hey, did you want to come in for uh, an hour and a half, two hours? We're taping." a video and we need people in the audience and it's a little slow today. So me and my ex-wife go in cause you know, it's raining and we, sure. we walk in and the Sherman brothers are come out on stage and they oh, were man. taping a retrospective of their music. And we got to sit there for two hours and listen to them play all of their, like just, they were being interviewed by someone. I can't remember who it was, but you know, we got to sit there and, and, and listen to us. I still, to this day, it, I wish that I could find a taping of that and, and what that was, you know, being recorded for, because I would love to have a copy of that. That's crazy. What yeah. an amazing thing to see. But you get that, like you, you get that, and I, yeah. I, I, I understand that with a population of numbers, it's hard to disseminate traditions to the masses. I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, when you lower that standard. Well, you don't make people try as hard. I don't know. I got, I'm a firm believer in high standards, no matter yeah. how many people you're, you're you're talking to. And and I think that if you, I think if you made it more, not you 
personally, Kyle, but yeah. I, I think if, if the standard was higher, I think people would rise to the expectation. Yeah. And if they didn't sign, then they go. Yeah, well, they, and they ten years even shorter now. Than they, 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 well, first of all, they can make me park president anytime they want. I would take the job mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Um, you do just fine. It would be an awful commute, but I would do it. Um, <laughs> but you know, let's. I think that you know we're talking about when that switch happened. And I think there were a couple of factors. One of the guys who we had on the show, it was the start of our second season, a little bit over a year ago, we had Dave Koenig from the Mouse Tales books. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, came on the show. It's our number one episode that we've ever had. Um, and I really think that when that book was published, it was at a turning point to the way that we saw the resorts and the people who were very Disney got into it. But I think that the accessibility of cable television and eventually the internet changed the way that we consume that knowledge so that someone maybe doesn't know what the Sherman brothers are, but they'll go into years and years of every detail about Johnny Depp or Orlando Bloom, you know, and it isn't the point where there were three television channels. It isn't that era anymore. Yeah. so you don't you don't have this uh, availability of knowledge where people would read these things and they would become embedded in books or magazines. You don't have your Annette Funicello's. You don't have your Kurt Russell's. You don't have your Walt Disney's. And the way that we get that information, I, I think that John Lasseter, I had him on my boat once. I respect the hell out of him. I'd love to get him on the show. He was a skipper. He was a skipper. I think yeah. he I think he's the closest thing that we have to a Walt Disney. And I'm I'm thrilled that he has the deeper role with the resort that he with the 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 company that he has now because I think he gets it. I think he gets what it's like to be in the shadow and walking in the footsteps of a great man and you know it isn't Walt Disney's Disneyland anymore. It's an amalgamation of what all of our expectations and disappointments and hopes and dreams and all that have have morphed into this um, shareholder responsible company, and they're just doing they're doing what they have to for the money and and to continue what they're doing. It's not about the legacy anymore. It's about being the largest publication and media and consumer company and having your your you know, bedspreads in nine out of 10 kids' rooms at the age of eight. Very true. It's just a different, it's a different paradigm yeah. completely. But I think with that, you know, you go back to the cast member experience. And those are, I mean, those are some of the greatest days of my, my, my college experience, that wasn't where I met my friends. And a bunch of us that all went to UC Riverside and commuted across the 91 um, we've all said the same thing. It, we made our memories at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Our growing up happened at Disneyland. And, and those are the friends. That's the whole reason why I even have a Facebook is just to keep in touch with those people. You know, I, more, I send out more Christmas cards every year to, to Disney cast member friends than I do to anyone else. Yep. And that job was, you know, I left the park in 97. When I go interview for a job now, They'll go back to that. I mean, they they don't want to know anything else I've done. They they, yep. they want to know they want to know about whether or not I was Snow White, which yep. I don't know why I get that because I look nothing. Yeah, 
But yeah, no, it's it's just one of those things. It's one of it's it's that cast member. I think with all of that globalization, at the end of the day, this is a horrible business cliche that I can't believe I just said out loud. But at the end of the day, that that best friend that you just made for your eight hour splash shift. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that I think that's gone. I think I think the antics are gone. The the you know, can't tell you how many times people try to dump a bucket of water on me over Schweitzer Falls. It, it that's gone now. That's yeah. it's not there anymore. And that that part makes me sad because those cast members aren't getting those amazing experiences anymore. Well, and it's not. It's like you said. It's not that it's it's good or bad. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the. The culture that we live in, we live in a, uh, we live in an era where there is no Disney store anymore. You know, the Disney store company, the malls, we live in an era where malls aren't important anymore. Um, there are only two Disney stores in the state of Oregon. And yeah. I know this because I had to schlep to one to get my daughter a Sophia the first dress that I'm yeah. pretty sure costs more than my first car. Yep. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a different yeah. So that's yep. a very good point. It's very different now. Well, and you know, you've you've got a a culture where we're consuming media in a different way. I'll um I'll give you a great thing to find, and I don't know if it's on YouTube. There's a new um there's a new bunch of Mickey Mouse cartoons that they've done within the last year that are stellar. They they almost look like if um if Mickey was being drawn by John Crick Falusi from Ren and Stimpy, but yeah, I've seen that my, my eight year old is into those. They're great. They're amazing. They are, they are amazingly good. And, you know, no, they're, they're really good. And they capture the character. They, you know, they, they really get back into the core of what Mickey Mouse is about. And it creates a character for the modern day. That's relatable for the first time in probably 20 years. Because what was the Mickey before that? The Mickey and the Beanstalk or Mickey the Giant Killer mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and there was, you know, nothing on the Disney afternoon with Mickey that was, you know, a Mickey we could relate to. Mm-mm. So, but, you no, know, it's, it, it's different. It's just different. Oh, it is. And, I, you know, we it will continue evolving. So I'll, I'll ask you the question. This has been one of my regular Jungle Cruise uh, skipper questions on the podcast. Uh, do you think the Jungle Cruise survives to the park's 100th anniversary? Oh, wow. In 2055, will the Jungle Cruise be there? Wow, that's an excellent question. Um, I like to think it would be. I, I like I like to think... I, I like to think that it, it, it would be. It's It's one of the... It's one of Walt's rides, mm-hmm. and I, I, I like to think that the powers that be will will keep it there. Mm-hmm. It's a pain in the ass to fill that thing in, really. Yeah, so it, yeah <laughs> you know, cause, it really was. Because look at how long the uh, submarine lagoon sat there because it was holding up the Matterhorn. It um, was. Oh my gosh! Totally. Yeah. No, that was. A, and we'd actually we didn't go. There was a line for that too. Uh, it was one of those things you could go on, and there wasn't a line back in the day. But we, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was. Uh, I don't, I don't think. I hope. I like to think that it will never go away, no. especially because I would like to be able to take my grandkids there. Well, no, I won't be around then. But I would like, <laughs> I would like my great great grandkids to go there and say, hey, you know what? Great grandma worked this ride. She was, well, she was one of those. 
Yeah. Well, would be cool. When Nemo uh, reopened for the two years afterwards, there were two-hour lines. Crazy. So, um, you know, and that's one of the things that I find interesting is, is of course, things are going to be reinvented. Uh, Tokyo Disneyland has a Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. And it actually is in the middle of a rehab that is um, different. Um, they actually have a soundtrack on the boat of adventure music that is timed to the scene, the show scenes in the ride. So, oh. it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether that ever comes to Anaheim. Because they're basically, I, I hate to say it, it sounds like they're cutting... They're taking the jokes out and making it more adventure and leaving the jokes in more as like dry kind of, you know, um, Humphrey Bogart kind of throwaway lines. Gotcha. But it'll be really interesting to see if that ever makes it out to the, the Anaheim way. Well, when the Jungle Cruise originally opened way back when, it yeah. was more of a, of a nature ride than yeah. it was a funny ride. So I wonder yeah. if they'll throw back to that. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I don't know. You, you got to have the jokes, yeah. even if they're lousy. Even if now they're so so sop, I, I have a feeling they don't stray from the script too much anymore. Well, some people like but their jobs. Some they do. They're you know, they're good to have. Eating eating is good. Paychecks are good. But yeah, yeah. no, it's I. That's interesting. I hope they don't take. I hope they don't take that away. Yeah. That'd I hope be. they don't. It'll be interesting. Okay, so um, I'll let this last few moments because I think we're we're at a good stopping point. We can maybe do a second okay. chat down the road, but um, maybe we'll do a three-way call, three-way call uh, with Kim or someone, and we'll <laughs> we'll tie that in. So um, they're all all of the ladies of the Jungle Cruise back in the day were were you know we were we were very supportive of each other, and I think that's because we we all wanted each other to do well. Sure. There, there was no cattiness. There was no. Those are still some of my dearest friends. Um, there, there was no, there was no one-upness. It was, you know, we're in this together, mm-hmm. and and we're going to succeed. We're going to do this. Well, if you want to give shout-outs to anyone, or if you want to, um, uh, if there's any other stories that just like set in your mind that you want to get off your chest, uh, you know that this is that's a good time for it. Otherwise, we can put a bow on it and you and I can do this again some other time down the road. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, I can walk up to just about anyone I worked with, you know, 20 years ago and ask them if they still have dreams. Most of us are bucking 40 and I can ask them if they still have dreams about mansions mm-hmm. and they do, or that dream where you're leaving costume issue, which back in my day was behind space. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're running across to jungle, and your and, and your legs aren't moving. You're late for your jungle shift, and your legs aren't moving, and then you get caught in the parade cutoff. Huh. Every every single employee, every single cast member that worked there when I worked there, will see the Lion King parade and cry because mm-hmm. it was the most amazing parade ever. Um, Laura Malone and actually, and I were actually talking about that at the last reunion. Um, and Stephanie Oviedo, Michael Oviedo, who married a gazelle. No, she was a cheetah. Stephanie, we talked about that parade. It was just, it was, you can look at those people and go, yeah, that was pretty amazing. And do you remember the time 
it, we had so many do you remember the time stories mm-hmm. that all of us will remember forever. It was just an amazing time in the 90s to be be a part of that. And those friends are friends. Those are, that is my family. I will mm-hmm. have those friends forever. Yep. Forever and ever and ever. And I love them very, very much. And on that note, I think it's a good point to wrap it up. Uh, the normal uh, housekeeping stuff, guys, if you have not yet done so, one of the things you could do to really support the podcast, swing on over to iTunes and give us a uh, star review or uh, write a few words about us. It can be kind. It can be honest, whatever you want it to be. Um, other than that, catch us over on Facebook, yeah, Facebook, facebook.com slash Jungle Cruise, C-R-E-W-S. And if you are a skipper or know a skipper who might want to appear on the show, Jungle Cruise, C-R-E-W-S, at gmail.com. Miss Laura, it is a pleasure. Uh, I'm really glad we got a chance to do this. When we get up to, me and the fiance get up to Oregon in the spring, I'm hoping we'll get a chance to uh, grab a cup of coffee. We would be we we would be happy to have you and thank you very much for having me on. This has been a very very enjoyable trip down memory lane. Thank you. Okay, Kungaloosh, everyone. We'll catch you soon. <laughs>